0: listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of And if you'd like to join the conversation about today's reading, you can do so on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group. Now, let us give thanks to God for the life of Venerable Maria. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria Bogota, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ. To all we meet. Amen. Today is Day number 108. We are reading from Volume 2, Chapter 12. We'll read Paragraphs 151 to 157. We will complete the chapter. 151 The Virgin Mother of Christ also understood in this vision the future mysteries of the life and death of her sweetest son and of the redemption of the human race together with those of the new law of the gospel, which was to be established in connection therewith, To her were also manifested other great and profound secrets, which were made known to none other of the saints. The most prudent queen, seeing herself thus in the immediate presence of the deity, and furnished with the plenitude of divine gifts and science, as became the mother of the word, lost in humility, and love adored the Lord in his infinite essence, and without delay also in its union with the most holy humanity, she gave him thanks for having favored her with the dignity of Mother of God, and for the favors done to the whole human race. She gave thanks and glory also for all the mortals. She offered herself as an acceptable sacrifice in his service, in the rearing up and nourishing of her sweetest son, ready to assist and cooperate, as far as on her part it would be possible, in the work of the redemption. And the Holy Trinity accepted and appointed her as the coedutrix in this sacrament. She asked for new graces and divine light for this purpose, and for directing herself in the worthy ministrations of her office as Mother of the Incarnate Word, that she might treat him with the veneration and magnanimity due to God himself. She offered to her holiest son all the children of Adam, yet to be born, and the saints of limbo. In the name of all, and of herself, she performed many acts of heroic virtue, and asked for great favors which, however, I will not stop to mention, as I have already done in regard to others on different occasions. For from these, it can easily be conjectured, what petitions this heavenly queen made on this occasion, which so far excelled all the other fortunate and happy days of her previous life. 152. But she was easily persistent and fervent in her prayers to obtain guidance of the Almighty for the worthy fulfillment of her office as mother of the only begotten of the Father. For this, before all other graces, her humble heart urged her to desire, and this was especially the subject of her solicitude, that she might be guided in all her actions as becomes the mother of God. The Almighty answered her, My dove, do not fear, for I will assist thee and guide thee, directing thee in all things necessary for the service of my only begotten. With this promise, she came to herself and issued from her ecstasy, in which all that I have said had happened, and which was the most wonderful she ever had. Restored to her faculties, her first action was to prostrate herself on the earth and adore her holiest son, God and man, conceived in her virginal womb. For this she had not yet done her external and bodily senses and faculties. Nothing that she could do in the service of her Creator did this most prudent mother leave undone. From that time on, she was conscious of feeling new and divine effects in her holiest soul and in her exterior and interior faculties. And although the whole tenor of her life had been most noble, both as regards her body as her soul, yet on this day of the incarnation of the Word, it rose to still greater nobility of spirit, and was made more godlike by still higher reaches of grace and indescribable gifts. One fifty-three, But let no one think that the purest mother was thus favored and so closely united with the humanity and divinity of her holiest son, only in order to continue to enjoy spiritual delights and pleasures, free from suffering and pain. Not so, for in closest possible imitation of her sweetest son, this lady lived to share both joy and sorrow with him, the memory of what she had so vividly been taught concerning the labors, and death of her holiest son was like a sword piercing her heart; this sorrow was proportionate to the knowledge and love which such a mother had of such a son, and which his presence and intercourse so continually recalled to her mind, although the whole life of Christ and of his most holy mother was a continued martyrdom and suffering like that of the cross, and was fulfilled with incessant pain of labours and was filled with incessant pain and labours. Yet in the most pure and loving heart of the heavenly queen there was also the special feature of suffering, that to her inward sight as a most loving mother, the passion, torments, ignominies, and death of her son were forever present. And by this continued sorrow of thirty-three years, she took upon herself the long vigil of our redemption. And during all this time, this sacrament was concealed in her bosom, without companionship or alleviation from any creatures. one fifty-four. With this loving sorrow, full of the sweetest anguish, she often looked upon her holiest son, both before and after his birth, and speaking to him from her innermost heart, she would repeat these words, Lord and God of my soul, most sweet son of my womb, why hast thou given me the position as mother? and yet connected with it the sorrowful thought of losing thee, leaving me an orphan, bereft of thy desirable company. Scarcely art thou put in possession of a body for thy earthly life, when thou art notified of the sentence of a sorrowful death for the rescue of men. The first of thy actions is one of superabundant merit and satisfaction for his sins. Oh, would that the justice of the Eternal Father were thereby satisfied, and thy sufferings and death fall upon me, from my body and blood thou hast composed thy own, without which it would not be possible for thee to suffer, since thou art the immutable and immortal God. If, therefore, I have furnished thee the instrument or the matter of the sufferings, let me too suffer with thee the same death. O oh, inhuman sin, how being so cruel and the cause of so much evil, couldst thou nevertheless be so fortunate that the repairer should be won, On account of his infinite goodness, can make thee a happy fault, O my sweetest son and my love. Who shall be thy guard? Who shall defend thee from thy enemies? O, would that it were the will of the Father that I guard thee and save thee from death, or die in thy company, and that thou never leave mine. But that which happened to the patriarch Abraham shall not now take place. Genesis twenty two eleven for the predestined decree shall be executed. Let the will of the Lord be fulfilled. These loving sighs were many times repeated by our Queen, as I shall say farther on of the Eternal Father accepted them as an agreeable sacrifice, while they were the sweetest diversion of her most holy Son. Instruction which our Queen and Lady gave me. 155. My daughter, since thou hast by faith and divine light arrived at knowledge of the grandeur of God, and of his ineffable condescension, in coming down from heaven for thee and for all the mortals, let not this benefit be for thee idle and fruitless. Adore the essence of God with profound reverence, and praise him for what thou knowest of his goodness." Receive not light and grace in vain, two corinthians six one and study the encouraging example given by most holy Son and myself in imitation of him, as thou hast come to be instructed in it, for as he was the true God, and I his mother, for in so far as he was man, his most holy humanity was created. Let us humiliate ourselves in the remembrance of our lowly human nature, and confess the greatness of the divinity, greater than any creature can comprehend. Do this especially when thou receivest the same Lord in the holy sacrament. In this admirable sacrament, my most holy Son, with divinity and humanity, comes to thee and remains with thee in a new and incomprehensible way. His great condescension is manifest, though it is is little taken notice of and respected by mortals, nor does it find the return due to such love. One fifty-six. Let then the acknowledgement be accomplished with as much humility, reverence, and worship as is possible to thy combined powers and faculties. For though they be exerted to the utmost limit, they will always fall short of what thou owest to God and of what he deserves. And in order that thou mayest, as far as possible, make up for thy deficiencies, offer up that which my Most Holy Son and I have done. Unite thy spirit and thy affections in union with the church triumphant and militant, offering at the same time thy life as a sacrifice, and praying that all nations may know, confess, and adore their true God, who became man for all. Thank him for the benefits which he has conferred, and confers on all, whether they know him or not, whether they confess or repudiate him. Above all, I ask of thee, my dearest, to do that which is most acceptable to the Lord, and most pleasing to me, that thou grieve and in sweet affection mourn over the gross ignorance and dangerous tardiness of the sons of men, over the ingratitude also of the children of the church, who having received the light of the divine faith, yet live in such interior forgetfulness of the works and benefits of the incarnation. Yea, of God himself, and so much so that they seem to differ from infidels, only in some ceremonies and exterior worship, they perform these without spirit or heartiness many times offending and provoking the divine justice which they should placate. One fifty-seven, Through this ignorance and torpidity, it happens that they are not prepared to receive and acquire the true science of the Most High. They bring upon themselves the loss of the divine light, and they deserve to be left in the heavy darkness, making themselves more unworthy than the infidels themselves, and entailing upon themselves an incomparably greater chastisement, Mourn over such great damage of thy neighbors, and pray for help from the bottom of thy heart. And in order that thou mayest put away from thy own self such formidable dangers, do not undervalue the favors and benefits which thou receivest, nor even under pretense of humility belittle or forget them. Remember and consider how distant was the journey which the grace of the Most High has made in order to call thee, Psalm 18.7. Ponder in thy mind how it has waited upon thee, and consoled thee, assured thee in thy doubts, quieted thee in thy fears, ignored and pardoned thy faults, multiplied favors, caresses, and blessings. I assure thee, my daughter, that thou must confess in thy heart that the Most High has not done such things with any other generation. Thou of thyself canst do nothing. Thou art poor and more useless than others. Let let then thy thanks be greater than that. Of all the creatures. This concludes our reading today for day 108. We have been reading from chapter 12 of volume 2, paragraphs 151 to 157. God revealed many things to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We can only think of the Annunciation in which God reveals the Incarnation through the message of an angel. But we know that Mary came to knowledge of other things, as Maria of Hagrida is related, and Today, she says, to her were also manifested other great and profound secrets, which were made known to none other of the saints. So there are certain things about the spiritual life that Mary was privileged to know that no other person has understood. That's something to marvel at. What was that knowledge? Of course, the things of God to us here on earth are a bit incomprehensible, We can't even grasp some of these realities that we will experience in eternal life. And Mary came to understand some of those very things. We also heard she asked for new graces and divine light for this purpose and for directing herself in the worthy administration of her office as mother of the incarnate word. She asked for new grace. Are there some new graces that you could ask for in your own life? We heard about the suffering that Mary will experience, that she undergoes a continued martyrdom and suffering like that of the cross. So we can consider the pain of Mary as she comes to understand certain things, certain realities of faith. And then in that beautiful instruction that Our Lady gave to Maria of she talks about Holy Communion. Do this especially when thou receivest the same Lord in the Holy Sacrament. In this admirable sacrament, my Most Holy Son with divinity and humanity comes to thee and remains with thee in a new and incomprehensible way. Every time we receive Holy Communion, well, think of the fact that God dwelt in the person of Mary and that just as God in the Incarnation dwells in Mary While now, through the Holy Eucharist we receive, he dwells within us. Mary wants us to think about this reality, to reverence it, to be in awe of it, every time we receive the Lord in the Holy Eucharist. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you. And Mary pray for you.